All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, today we are starting a new series. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, call it the Summer of Psalms. We're going to spend a summer in the Psalms this year, and uh, every summer, I, I, as many of you know, I really, really love summertime. Summertime is my favorite time of year. I love everything about summer. Things can slow down in the summertime. Uh, you want to get the, uh, the slides ready? Thank you. All right. Uh, we, things, uh, things slow down a bit from the summertime. It's, it's a des- def- definitely a different season in church. There's less programs, less, less uh, church activity on, on the uh, organizational front, and more chances for fellowship. There's things like family camp and campfires, ghost pine picnics and VBS. It's just a different season in the uh, church year. And so I think it's nice to change things up a bit in the summertime. So I want to make sure that we start our summer out with good vibes. And uh, the best place that I know to have a start out with summer with good vibes and a good intention is actually the book of Psalms. And uh, I, what I'm going to do today is I am going to explain to you um, four advantages. I'm going to give you four advantages or four benefits for allowing the Psalms to dwell richly in your heart. And I'm going to sort of ask the question, what's the benefit of you actually reading and uh, ingesting the Psalms uh, a little bit? We'll head back to Ephesians and we'll finish up the armor of God and marriage later. But for the summertime, I think it's really, really important for us just to take some time to dwell in the Psalms. So I'm going to, so this morning, all I'm going to do today is that this is an introduction message for the rest of the series. It's going to be good. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce Psalms today and we'll give you an overview of the book. I'm going to give you four reasons why it's beneficial for you to read Psalms. And then next week, I'm going to share with you my favorite Psalm, which is Psalms 8. And the reason it's my favorite song is because it's about Jesus Christ. And everything we do is about Jesus. I want to share and start off with that. The week after that, Ivan's going to share his favorite song, or the one he's, God's been laying in our heart, Psalms 18, right? So you pray for that. Then we're going to have a few guest speakers. Van Williams is going to come and share in July. And if you know the name Pastor Ron Koliba, he's going to come and share in, a little bit, in August. Uh, so it's going to be a good time. And then uh, when we start the fall... We're going to start a series called uh, My Guardian, which is a five-week series in the book of Esther, and sort of where my heart's been at lately. And a, a fun fact, uh, just, just so you know, I, I've been researching and kind of getting ready for that sermon series, and a fun fact of trivia that I didn't know about Esther is that the book of Esther, God's, God's name is never mentioned in the book of Esther. Did you know that? Like... It's one of only two books in the entire Bible where God's name is never mentioned. God is not even referenced. The closest thing you have to a reference in the book of Esther to God is the, uh, is the occasion where Mordecai comes up to Esther and pleads to go before the king. And he says, who knows, maybe you were raised for such a time as this. That's the closest you will ever get to God being in that story, which is very particular because um, if you know the story, you know that it's a story of genocide, where uh, Esther is going to the king to protect against the Israelites being totally wiped up. 
So you think that in a season where the Israelites will be wiped out completely, God would want to be there to be their guardian, and yet he's totally silent. And here's where I think this lies for you and us today. I think that some of us are going through seasons in our lives where the Lord, where we are, where we're going through trials, where we're going through circumstances, and it's as if God isn't there at all. And the problem with that is sometimes when God is silent, we mistake his silence as absence. And the truth of the matter is, Esther is going to teach us, among other things, that you never mistake God's silence for his absence, that even when he's silent, He's still your guardian. He's your silent protector. So are you guys ready for that? That'd be good? You guys are okay. <laughs> well, for now, we're going to go through Psalms, and it's going to be good. So uh, let me just do the who, what, when, where, why of Psalms, and that will be if the clicker can work. Uh, the first question that I'm going to ask, answer for you is, what is the book of Psalms? Okay. So... The book of Psalms, as a way of illustration, let me point this out. How many of you know what this is? Shout it out. It's a CD. Now, if you're under 10 years old, I got to explain this. Because there was, when your grandparents were in their 20s and 30s, they lived in a magical time called the 1980s. And the 1980s was a great time. It was a time of weird haircuts and weird music. But one of the things that came out is when your grandparents were in their uh, 20s and 30s or early 30s and they wanted to listen to music, they would have to listen to something called a CD, which was they would take the music and they would burn it onto a disc and they would place it in here. And then every CD came with one of these. Do you know what this is? A play, well, sort of. It's a CD jacket. And you would open it up, and this was before the internet, and if you, wanted to, uh, if you wanted to listen to or read the words of the lyrics of the songs, you couldn't look them up on the internet like you could today. So what they would do is they would print it in the jacket, and you would read the lyrics of the songs. Okay? That is kind of what the psalms are like. Okay? The psalms is a collection, I don't know if you would hit the slide for me there, the Psalms is a collection of songs, poetry, and prayers, most of which were put to music, okay? So what you're reading is you're reading, if you want an analogy, it's kind of like a CD jacket, or you could even think of it as a, the first original hymnal, okay? It's a book that was Put together, these psalms were compiled over a period of a thousand years. The oldest starting with Moses and uh, all the way up and even including to after Solomon. And they are divided into five separate books or five sections. So what you're reading is you're not reading one book. You're reading five books all created throughout a thousand years. And so it's a very long time. It's a huge collection of books. It's almost like a Bible within a Bible, if you will. Okay. And what is interesting about it is the current iteration of it, the, the, iterate, the version that is in your Bible right now, uh, we, our scholars know or understand that it, the version that you're currently reading in your Old Testament was probably compiled about four to 500 years 
before Jesus comes on the scene. Now, we've done a series in that time frame, so you should know what happens four to 500 years before Jesus enters the scene in the Bible. Any takers? Babylon, that's right. If you know your story, if you know your history, you know that Babylon comes in and totally decimates the country of Israel and Judah, and that they are scattered, and what winds up happening is because they go into the city, what winds up happening to the temple in particular is they ransack the temple, totally destroy it, okay? And when they totally destroy the temple, it's a, they, take out all the ornament, or they take out all the stuff for worship and all the furniture, and they would likely have probably destroyed a lot of the writings, a lot, a lot of the Pentateuch, a lot of, a lot of the Word of God probably would have gone. It wouldn't have all gone, but I want you to think about the, what the ramifications are for that for a moment. It's like you come to church, and all of a sudden, they're burning all the Bibles, and you only have a few Bibles left, Okay. So what the exiles did is when they got to Psalms, they would collect the Psalms that they do know, and here's what they do with them. They would, they would uh, re, uh, they compiled them so they could have a way to wash their minds in the word of God rather than the word of Babylon. That's really important. I'm going to come back to that. Interesting facts about the book of Psalms, Okay. Just so you know and are a little bit aware, we, are, we know for sure that probably about 90% of Bible scholars think that about 73 to 75 uh, Psalms were written by David. So there might, some say it might be more, but we know for sure that there are about 73 to 75 that, are, that we are fairly confident are written by David. Moses wrote the oldest Psalm. You Bible scholars or Bible trivia students, which one is the oldest Psalm? Psalms 90. Okay. Solomon for sure wrote two psalms, maybe more. There are other writers, the sons of Korah, Ethan, and Ezra, but there are 40 anonymous psalms that we are not sure who wrote them. It doesn't really say, and if you would listen to Hebrew tradition, they would say that David actually wrote 88 and Rose's wrote 10 of them. Now, that might be true. The fact is, is that we don't know. They're anonymous. Okay. Shortest psalm in the Bible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Psalms 117. How many verses? Two. <laughs> Thank you. Taking my thunder here. <laughs> I shouldn't have put it on the screen. Okay. Psalm, the longest psalm is 119. How many verses? 176. All right, so that, those are just a little bit of uh, fun information that I found out about, uh, about the book of Psalms. Now, how should you read the book of Psalms? Okay. Now, this might be a little tricky. What I'm going to tell you is that you should read the book of Psalms like it's a song. That's what they are. Most of them are songs and prayers and poetry that is actually put to music. You just don't see it. Okay? So how I would encourage you to read it is I would encourage you to read it with both reason and emotion. On the reason part, let me give you an illustration for this for a minute. Um, how many of you have been to a hymn night here at the church? Hands up. Now, how many of you really... Hymn nights are good, eh? Amen? Ken, how do you typically structure a hymn night? 
We sing a couple songs, and then you ask if we have a favorite. And then what does Ken usually do? He plays a video about what? About a song, about a hymn. And it's like usually a five-minute video, and it kind of tells the story behind the, the particular hymn that we're going to read. Okay? And when you do that, I don't know if you've ever been to a hymn night where you've seen those videos, and you know, he explains a little bit about the hymn and the backstory of the hymn. When I know the backstory of the hymn, this hymn actually becomes more alive for me. I understand it. I appreciate it more, right? And that's how I think on the reason front you should read the Psalms because a lot of the Psalms are grounded in earthly events. A lot of them are written uh, 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 on when King, in King David's life, when he's faced many things, when he's dealing with the sin of Bathsheba, when he's facing Goliath. And so I think maybe the best way for you to understand and read it is where we are able to share the story of this, of, uh, behind the psalm, we're going to do that. So actually, Ivan's going to do that with Psalms 18. He was sharing with me the other day, and he was sharing about what God was going to do, and that was really good of that. And I'm going to share the story behind Psalms 8 so you can appreciate more. So on the, on the reason front, that's how I think if you can read a psalm, you should look at where it correlates to the Bible story. Okay? On the emotion front, you have to read the song as it's an emotion, okay? Which means that you have to be a little bit emotive when you read it. This, a lot of the psalms are earthly, they're raw, and they're very, very, very uh, real, okay? So, for example, this is Psalms 109. And this is David, and David is praying to God because his enemies are up against him, and he's, he's saying, God, help me, I need victory in this. And this is what he prays about his enemies. He says, when my enemy is tried, let him be guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few, may another take of his office, may his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. Isn't that harsh? Okay. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food from afar. Um, and uh, let, me, let me go on. The ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor, the pity of his, uh, to, nor any pity of his fatherless children. May his prosperity be cut off from him. May the name... Be blotted out from the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before their Lord. And let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Harsh, right? Hey, Imagine that my son, James, hurts you. And hurts you so badly that you pray and say, God, I pray that Elizabeth, her sins would not be forgiven because of what James did. That's sort of like how angry you see it. You can, can you sense the anger? You guys understand where I'm coming from? So you got to read it with emotion, or sorry, reason, but you also have to understand there's a lot of emotion involved, okay? It's really, really important that you, you understand that as, as, you, as you go through, through that. So, um, so to more on that issue, I, I, want, I want to explain that there, for example... The Psalms, there are sections called the Songs of Ascent, okay? 
And I don't know if you've heard of these. Did anyone know what the Psalms of Ascent are? The Psalms of Ascent are a collection of songs that are sung as the Jewish people would come up to Israel or Jerusalem and from all these different pilgrimages, and they would sing on their way to enter the temple. So usually, when you read psalms and they're put to music, they would range from really, really loud and rocking music as they were far away from the temple, and as they got closer to God's presence and the Holy of Holies, the music became more pensive and quieter and more reflective and reverent. And what they would call is they would say, and, and, the, and, and the Psalms of Ascent would, would share this emotion and this praise with it, okay? So that's just what I want you to read. You've got to read it with reason. You've got to know the context behind the story. But you also got to understand that there's a lot of raw emotion available in the Psalms. So then we, here's what I want to get to today, and that is this, is I want to ask the question, how will Psalms help you grow closer to Jesus Christ? Actually, flip back to that one verse there. So, because uh, the question that I want to ask before us is like, what is the benefit? What is the purpose of of Psalms, and why is it unique among the other books in the Bible? What does it have to offer that is different than the rest of the Bible has to offer? And I think the answer actually comes in uh, Colossians three sixteen. We talked about this a, a week or two ago. It says this: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts towards God. So the command that is given there is that you are to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How is that accomplished? Through teaching and admonishing each other and singing. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So I would argue that the main objective, the goal of Psalms, is to get the Word of God, the Bible, to dwell in your heart richly. Okay? That's the goal. For example, Old Testament scholars tell us that when Israel was living in Egypt, they would gather the stories that we were found in Genesis and they would tell them around the campfire to reimagine what life was like away from Egypt, away from the empires of the world, away from the worship of money and false gods. And we got to remind ourselves that a God, they had to remind ourselves that our God is constantly here and we have to wash our minds in that so that we reorient our minds towards the things of God and not towards the things of the empire, not along the things of Egypt, not along the things of, of, of Babylon, towards the things of God. That's why the book, that's what the book of Psalms is. It's 150 chapters of let's get together and rewash our brains and hearts because you and I live in the midst of, a, uh, of empires today that are constantly fighting for our attention. So for over a thousand years, Psalms were put to music to teach people how to pray, how to think, how to worship, how to get the truth from your head into your heart. Do you remember me telling you about that years ago? Is that my best understanding of why God has asked us to spend a summer in the Psalms is to get the word of God to dwell in us richly. Or a paraphrase of that would be to say, to get the word from our academic heads into our hearts. 
And you remember years ago, I think it was a year or two ago, I did a message where I talked about what the Bible meant by the word heart. And I said that heart in the Bible usually refers to the core of your beings, not just your emotions. So the idea here is that you are being bombarded with all these other, uh, other, <clears throat> other messages and values and kinds of things like that. And because the Psalms is what it is, it's art and it's put to music, uh, and it's designed to help you get the Word of God to dwell in you richly in the midst of a culture that is fighting the other way around. Okay? Just to point how relevant this is today, I want you to understand that the average person in Alberta is bombarded with over a thousand messages a day in the form of the TV shows we watch, the video games we play, the music we listen to, the advertisements that are put on it, and the gospel message is just one of those a thousand messages. So automatically you and I start at a place of disadvantage. Because what winds up happening is if you get bombarded with all these messages, you tune them out. It's kind of like living in the city. When Liz and I first moved here, the very first thing that we noticed when we moved to Three Hills is how quiet it was. But when you live in a city, it's noisy, okay? Sirens go off every five minutes when I lived in Surrey, right? And it becomes so used to it that you don't even notice when the siren goes off. But you live here for three or four months, and you notice when the, the siren goes off in Three Hills, don't you? Okay? That's what living in North America is like. Everything, everyone is trying to vie for your messages. And the problem with this is that you and I read the Word of God like we stroll through our TikTok videos. Really, really, really fast. Okay? And the Psalms is designed to get you to slow down and to get the, heart, to get the Word into your heart. I believe, friends... And I don't think I have to argue this very, very much. That the arena that we fight for truth in our culture is not necessarily the world of academia, but the world of media. Okay? We are being lied to and taught a whole bunch of things that are demonic and not true through the music that we listen to through the shows that we play, there has never been a time, I don't know if you've thought about this or not, there has never been a time in human history where we have consumed the amount of media that we have today. There has never been a time in the history of the existence of this planet where you can listen to as much songs as you can today, watch as much as you can today, read as much as you can today, and that's a problem because you and I have no basis for knowing how much the, the sheer volume of media we consume affects us. And Psalms is God's answer to that because what it says is like, listen, everyone is trying to push all these messages on you. They are trying to get some of their gospel into you. And the Psalms comes at it and pushes back and says to you and I that you can get the word of God to dwell richly in your soul. In your soul. It's to get from your head to your heart. Someone say amen to that. Amen. 
That's why I think that God would have us do it. So let me conclude by just giving you four benefits for allowing Psalms to dwell in you richly this summer. The first one I'm going to say is that it's actually going to help you, it's going to drive you to Jesus. Number one, it will drive you to, I didn't even put that up there for there. Psalms will drive you to the foot of the cross. It will help you understand Jesus. It will help you get closer to Jesus. You want to know why I know that? Because 10% of all Psalms written in the book of Psalms are about looking forward to Jesus Christ. When you listen to a preacher like me or someone else, and they are preaching the Old Testament, it's a little bit of a trickier, harder thing to preach the Old Testament because ultimately you do not preach the Old Testament like it's a bunch of rules that you follow. No one should do that, okay? That is, scholars call that, you are in danger of heresy when you do that. Because ultimately, when Jesus is with the Pharisees, he says, he says to them, you diligently search the scriptures so that you know them, but the scriptures point to me. Okay? He's talking about the Old Testament. Okay? And so what you and I need to do is when you read the Old Testament, you need to understand that the Old Testament in general points towards Jesus Christ. And it's a very hard thing for a preacher to do that. So listen, any guest speaker that preaches from the Old Testament this summer, you just see it, like, look for it. See if they actually preach, they get towards Jesus. And here's the thing about the Psalms. The Psalms will push you to the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? There is no book quoted more often in the New Testament than the book of Psalms. No book. In fact, one of Jesus' last words as he's dying on the cross comes from Psalms 31. Okay? If you want to understand Jesus Christ, look to the Psalms. It's going to push you. And I'm going to share with you how Psalms 8 is actually one of those songs that pushes you towards Christ next month. So number one, it will push you to Jesus. Number two, it will help you get in that good summer vibe. Number, or another way of saying that, it was, will help you flip your grumbling and complaining to gratitude. The Bible says that you are to do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless, Philippians 2.14. The problem in my life is I believe that verse to be true in every area of my life except for church music. I used to complain frequently about music and church as a kid and as a young adult. And the two things that I complained most often about were hymns and songs that were used the word I in it. Okay? And I am so grateful for the word of God. And it's not that Pastor Dan's opinion is, sets with the bore of what church is. It's the word of God. You want to know why? Because if Dan's opinion were true, we'd have to rewrite the Bible. Because here's what Psalms did for me, okay? When I read through the Psalms, I realized that, check this out. This is going to be so cool. Psalms 8, 19, 29, 33, 65, 67, 68, 96, 98, 100, 103 through 105, 111, 113, 114, 117, 135, and 145 through 50 are all designated hymns. Okay? (laughs) 
Do you know what God did at that moment? He confronted me with my grumbling. So God, glad for the word of God, because he changed my grumbling to complaining. Do you know what a hymn is, by the way? I don't know if you know this, but a hymn isn't necessarily what we think. It is, but a biblical definition of a hymn, according to Bible, Old Testament Bible scholars, is a song of praise to Yahweh. Typically, it's a song of praise that centers around three things. Okay? It centers around the th- themes of creation, nature, and kingship. That is what a Bible defines as a hymn. And a really good example of that is Psalms 148. It says this, Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him on high. Praise Him all the angels. Praise Him the host. Praise Him sun, moon. Praise Him all the bright stars. Praise highest heavens and, and new waters. Praise the name above the heavens. Let the name of the Lord Yahweh be praised. For He commanded all there to be to created. I used to get mad at songs that use the word I in them. Have you ever done that? Like, I love the Lord, or I will praise God, or I will do this, or I will worship. And the reason is, is because I thought those worship is about God, and every time you said, I will, I will, I will, you're making the songs about me. But Psalms 34 actually says those exact things. And so my point in all this is to say that God took everything that I was grumbling and complaining about and turn it into something that I'm grateful for. I am now grateful for the hymns. And I am grateful for this. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not, but Psalms, the word praise in the book of Psalms is repeated 211 times compared to just 109 in the rest of the Bible. It's going to set the right mood and take all your grumbling and gratitude and change it towards, or all your grumbling and change it towards gratitude. Do you struggle with complaining? Complaining about work, complaining about your home, complaining about church? Psalms will change that if you let the Lord of God dwell in you. Thirdly, Psalms will keep you safe. Okay. I used to hate the idea of super repetitive songs in church. You know the kind that you sing the same, same, sing the same 50 words, or five words 50 times? Well, what I realized through reading the book of Psalms is if you don't like that, it actually makes Psalms very difficult because it's 150 chapters of saying praise the Lord. Like, on top of that, there are songs where you sing the same three words 30 times, and that's not even an exaggeration. For example, Psalms 119 has more than 175 different references to the law of God or the word of God. And that song is put to music, I believe. Psalms 136 is the same thing, has over 26 references to the phrase his... Sorry, that's me. Like, uh, has 26 references to the phrase... His steadfast love endures forever. And, you know, it goes, you know, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, let his steadfast love endures forever. All this kind of points to the fact that why, why does it repeat so much? And when you realize that, you realize it's not just in the Psalms, it's in the entire Bible. For example, Revelation 4, 8 and 9 
All the living creatures, each of them six wings, are full of the eyes around within. And day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Everybody. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Okay? And then you start realizing that repetition is all throughout Bible, starting in the starting in the in in the Levitical law. God commanded the people to live the, to celebrate the same feast, the same way, the same occasion, year in and year out, without deviation. And then you get to communion, something that God has asked us to do, and we do it month in and month out without deviation. So the question really is, is why does the Bible repeat itself so much? And the answer to that, I think, is found in two verses. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And what Peter has done is he's just list a quality, qualities that you and I are to live by, and it says this. Therefore, I intend always to what? Remind you of these qualities, even though you already know them and are established in the truth. Philippians 3.1 says something similar. Paul, speaking to the Philippians, says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write what? Is no trouble for me because it's what? Okay. Why, does the, why do Psalms and the rest of the Bible keep repeating itself? Because it's safe for you. It's God's way of protecting you. <clears throat> Here's what Psalms teaches me. is that the repetition we find in Psalms is very important to God. Because what it does is it makes sure that I don't forget the truth that I already know. How many times have you heard, has God been speaking to you about something? You've had an aha moment, but it's already a truth that you've already know. I think what happens is in the absence of repetition, it keeps our minds racing across theological peaks and it blocks our heads and our hearts from entering in. And that is a huge problem because like I said, what winds up happening is we read our Bibles like we scroll through TikTok. And I'm trying to say that when the Bible repeats itself to you, it's not trying to dump something down. It's trying to, it's trying to keep, it's a safeguard to you. It's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you uh, from forgetting things that you already know. That's why it keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. Lastly, Psalms will teach you that it's acceptable or show you how, I should say, to pour out your heart towards God. Psalms were written out of various experiences of life. Some of them are jubilant and they expressed, so, and, and, and others uh, <clears throat> were out of really hard laments. And then it teaches us about prayer, about how we could pray to God and how we can share God and uh, pray to God in our pain and in our joy. If you're suffering and you don't know how to pour your heart out to God, you understand that 70% of the Psalms is life and lament. It means this, life is hard and I don't know what to do about it. And here comes Psalms 
I mean, it says, and you're reading through it in one minute, he's jacked up on life, and he's got this great life. The harvest has come in. There's a new combine. Everything's great. And then your spouse gets cancer, and your, and your kid gets injured, and your money's gone away, and you don't know what to do with it. Psalms answers that because that actually happens. That's what he writes about. Psalms answers or, or uh, talks about uh, there are prayers where, where David is praying and he's looking at someone over here and he's saying, I've been faithful to God. I've done all the right things. I've gone to church and I've gone to Sunday school and I've done all the things. Why, are my, why is my family suffering? Why is my business not prophesying? When over there, there's a guy who doesn't care about you and he's got a great family. And his business is doing good. How come I'm faithful and my business isn't? Psalms will address that. If you let the word of God dwell, Psalms dwell in you. So in conclusion, I'm just going to ask this question. Which one of those four benefits do you think the Psalms will give you this summer? I know for some of us, Psalms can be a hard book of the Bible to get excited about. But I want to read to you a quote in closing from a famous Christian author who wrote about Psalms. And he says this, I have a confession to make. For years I I avoided the book of Psalms. I knew that many Christians looked upon it as their favorite biblical book that the church had incarnated or incorporated some of its songs into public worship. And to this day, many editions of the New Testament psalm New Testament, include the book of Psalms. So those little red ones that the Gideons give out all have the book of Psalms in it. Yet, hard as I tried, I can never get excited about reading the Psalms. Do you ever feel that way? One summer, I read through all of them every morning. They greeted me as I started to see, I started to see life through their eyes. And I must say that now, two years after, they are without a doubt my favorite book in the Bible. Would you take a moment, like this author did this summer, to go through the Psalms? Would you be willing to spend a summer in the Psalms? If you do, I promise you, you'll find that Psalms will remind us that God is always present and that wherever you and I have experienced our life, God will have a word for you. God will encourage you. The book of Psalms still will speak to you wherever you find yourself today or wherever you found yourself yesterday. If you allow the word of God to get from your intellectual head into your heart. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, You want to sing one more song as we close out?